This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at cosmicpotatonetwork.com. Watching television, watching television. Watching television, watching television. I need all the image, I need all the sound. I know the info right into my mind. Hey everybody, welcome back to Trial by Pilot. This is the show where we judge an entire series of television and the work of hundreds on one episode. I'm Bill Lynch. I'm Elizabeth Lynch. And we're still in COVID quarantine. Yes. And so we thought we need to find something light, <laughs> easy going. Mm-hmm. What can we just binge without thinking much about? Right. And so we picked When They See Us. <laughs> right. A four-part Netflix miniseries that was released in 2019, mm-hmm. last year, directed by Ava DuVernay, who also did Selma and 13th. Oh, yeah. I've been hearing a lot about that. Yeah. So, obviously, we wanted to do something last week, kind of uh, on the topic of racial issues, and instead we released Space Force. <laughs> right. <laughs> because that's what we had recorded, people. That's what we had, so um. <laughs> our apologies, but this is actually a show that we had discussed doing last year, and we shied away from it because we were afraid to talk about it, being a podcast made up of only white people talking about a show about black people i think it made us a little bit nervous and shy to talk about like like it was Uh, not our place to talk about yeah uh, that's the way i would put it yeah i don't know if i was nervous to talk about it i just felt like who why would my opinion be important it's not right but uh, a lot of shit has gone down over the last week and it's important for all of us to speak up on these issues right even and maybe especially if it's just our white friends and family listening, right? Um, and actually, you know, I've I've been watching a lot of webinars and listening to podcasts on the topic, and that that's even more important. Like, mm-hmm. you know, black people don't need to hear our middle class white privilege take on this, right? But it's like, our, oh my god, do you guys do you know that people are really racist? <laughs> right, and like now right. is the time to not be exactly, yeah. Like, <laughs> but it's it's other privileged white people that need to hear us speak out about this stuff. And we don't actually know the full demographics of our audience, but I'm going to venture a guess that it's mostly just our family and friends. Yeah. um, (laughs) Yeah. It's not all. So I I, I certainly hope we have some black listeners and other people of color, but I have a feeling it's a lot of white people out there. And I mean, we've gone, we have talked about other uncomfortable things with some, with some of the shows that we've watched. Yeah. but unbelievable unbelievable i don't know if we intentionally pick the shows we pick with mostly white casts i mean i think when it's like got a diverse cast it's one of the things like i love the diversity in this show i love how they're showing <laughs> diversity in this school right but a show about black people is not something that we have done right before. yes that's true you know um i know that john from captain game show uh so- sometimes listens I-, okay. I hope he always listens um, but John, I would love to hear, uh, your take on this show. I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll chat about it on Facebook. Yeah. yeah so we're going to, we're going to go through the pilot like we usually do. It's, it's still trial by pilot, but then we're going to talk a little bit deeper afterwards and maybe offer up some resources for people that we have found helpful over the last, you know, week or two. Yeah. 
So we start in Harlem, April 19th, 1989. And I'm going to, I'm going to really try to refrain from talking about the wire because the very first scene has Michael K. Williams in it. Omar right. Little from the wire. Um, but he he's, has had other jobs. I know. I know. <laughs> oh, I mean, come on. He's Omar. <laughs> I know. I know. But <laughs> he's having lunch with his son and you know, they're just like ribbing each other, talking about the Yankees and then we go through and we meet all of these black kids living in New York. There's a young kid and he has a sick mom. Another kid's hanging out with his girlfriend, cutting school. Um, and, you know, we're just introduced to them that way. Like, just like like brief moments in the life of kind of. Right. And. Very normal life of young kids. Right. Right. You know. Yeah. And that evening, there's this like big group of kids running through the streets and they're all heading to central park and like slowly our five protagonists get like picked up along the way like two of them are friends and they join the crowd Mm -hmm. the youngest kid kevin um i think is just like curious yeah like most of the kids are most of the kids are like a little bit older than him he's like oh let me let me see what this is about so he, he joins in and so it's dark out by the time they get to the park and you know, a few of the kids are like harassing some bikers that mm-hmm. drive by. At some point, some of the protagonists witness um, a guy being like punched and beat up, a white guy. Mm-hmm. And then sirens start and a bunch of police cars pull up and all the kids start to scatter as they're being chased by the police. And we see in particular the youngest kid, 14 year old Kevin. Um, gets chased and knocked over by a cop and then the cop takes his helmet off and smashes him in the face with the helmet. And then we find out that that same night, a female jogger was raped in the park and left for dead. Mm -hmm. And so we're following around. I looked up her actual title, like District Attorney of Sexual Assault something. Yeah. Uh, Linda Fairstein, played by Felicity Huffman. Before all that shit went down. I was going to say, as if we needed another reason to hate Felicity Huffman, <laughs> like then she plays this awful person. Oh, yeah. And so she's there at the scene in Central Park. But then we cut to, I guess it was a classroom at the police precinct where they where they were like storing these like 15-ish black boys. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're just being like looked after by a cop. But then Linda Fairstein comes in questions one of the kids you know who else was there you know one of your friends was probably there right like trying to like get him to give another name and he does and so he she tells the cop like you need to interview all these kids we need to find out everybody that was at the park that night and so they come up with a list of all the kids that they think were at the park and two of the protagonists uh yusef and Corey, are walking along the street Mm -hmm. and they see the police like questioning people in front of yusef's building and mm-hmm. so they like turn to like start walking away, but the cops recognize him, walk up, get Yusuf, ask him for his ID, which says he's 16, even though he insists he's only 15, right. it's a, that it's a fake ID, which, you know, we don't know if it's true or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and they like start to ask Corey something, but the other cops like, come on, he's not on the list. Let's just go. Let's just get this over with. Um, but the one cop's like, Corey, why don't, you know, why don't you, why don't you come down to the precinct with your friend? Why don't you just keep him company? Why don't you do that? And he's like, uh... Yeah, yeah, I could do that. He's like, you, you, you know, your mom would kill me if I didn't do that, right? Yeah. Like, just being a nice yeah. friend. <laughs> and, of, you know, of course, I didn't know the details of this story before we watched this. I yeah. I knew the broad strokes. Right. 
so you you know what's going to happen to these kids so right. like every moment every like little i don't want to say misstep because it's certainly fucking not their fault but like every little thing that they do to like help the police yeah i'm like oh why are, why are you going don't don't fucking volunteer to go right um and so they're all at the precinct now and we see a handful of detectives there's like a couple of different ones that we see over and over again questioning the kids and, you know, they question the youngest kid, Kevin, after his mother had to leave because of her medical condition, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're lying to all of them, saying, like, you know, the other kids already turned you in, so you better tell us who raped that girl. Um, turning them all on each other. They get physical with a couple of them, like, shoving them in the face. Mind you, none of them know at all what they're talking about. Right, right. They don't. These kids did not rape this woman. Yeah. They don't know what they're talking about. And yeah. they don't even know the other kids. Right, right. They haven't, yeah. They're not even friends. They all went separately. Two of them were friends, but they don't know each other. Right, right. Kevin went to the park by himself. Yeah. They didn't do this. Yeah. And the cops are making it happen because they... Because when you see, like, in that... I guess before when Linda... It was like, oh, well, they were here and here. She puts it together in her head. She's like, oh, these they, they're not witnesses. These kids are suspects. Right, right. And so she puts it in, like, all these detectives' heads that these guys are guilty. Right. These 14, 15, 16-year-old boys right. are guilty of this. She has made up a narrative in her head of what happened and they're just going off of it and making shit up. They don't know anything. They actually haven't done their job. Right. They yeah. have not actually done their job. They did not investigate this case. Exactly. Yeah. And they even go so far as to threaten like their families. Like, mm-hmm. um, I don't remember his name in the show, Omar. Um, he has a rap sheet. He's been in prison before. And so they pull him out and they say, oh, you know, where are you working these days? Oh, that's a pretty good job. Do they know that? Uh, do they know that you were inside? Do they know about your past? Bobby McRae. Is Bobby McRae. Yeah. And so they tell him, like, you better get your son to tell us what we want to hear. And so he goes in and says just that. He's like, listen, you need to tell them what they're telling you to say so we can get out of here and go mm-hmm. home. Which is like, these kids are still young and maybe haven't had many run-ins with the police. But like, that's coming from like a, you know, his father is, I mean, I don't know how old his father is at this point, but an adult black man who is like, just, just tell them what they want. Yeah. Like he knows how this is going to go. Right. Right. Like you, we don't, we don't mess with them. We say exactly what we're supposed to say. Right. Uh, so then it's revealed that the jogger who they thought originally was raped around 10 o'clock was actually raped at nine fifteen. Which, on their original timeline, makes it impossible for these boys to have raped her, considering where they were running through the park from, like, 9 to 9.30. I don't remember the exact times, Mm -hmm. but it was all laid out there. And so, you know, Linda and the other uh, detectives are, like, just trying to force this timeline anyway. Right. One of them's like, well, what if she stopped to tie her shoe? That adds five minutes. What if she did this? I'm like... I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's insane. They're making up the story. Yeah. What if the boys, like, ran really fast in this, like, diagonal direction across this area and then dragged her all the way down to the reservoir? Um, And the whole time, there's this uh, black officer there who's Mm -hmm. just, you know, a street cop. Yeah. Um, 
you know, he knows he knows what's it's happening. Like, yeah. But he can't say anything. He can't doesn't to, say anything. <laughs> and there's another part I think where someone's like writing it up. I don't know if it's like a story or a press release and the way that they're talking about these boys and calling them like animals and maybe it was for the radio, it might have been. Yeah. And there's a black woman sitting there, like a coworker sitting there like listening to him like get them to like get this together he's like all right all right we got to go on air and she's just like oh yeah like her face is just like yeah this is what they're doing like nobody actually knows these kids who are who are all we have seen of them are just they're just like regular they're 14 15 and 16 years old yeah and like they immediately start demonizing them in the press and to all these like other detectives. Yeah, yeah. And so the detectives are leading Kevin, the 14-year-old, into saying whatever they want. They write it all down. And then he's the one with the sick mom, I think. Yeah. So they have his sister come in to pick him up and ask her to sign his statement because he's not 16 yet. Yeah. And so, I mean... She was like so smart and quick at first. Yeah. I'm like, okay, good, give it to him. Right. But then, you know, because she, she's like, he didn't write this. Right. She's refusing. She's she's pushing back in all the right ways, and they just badger her. And then Kevin starts to like cry out, like, "Please, I just want to go home." And finally, she caves. You yeah. know, she she caves and she signs it, and then they take him away. And they've all been told that if they just go home like then they'll just be witnesses if like we'll send you home oh yeah they just flat out lie they to every single one of them lie to them uh then Yusef's mom shows up and she threatens to call the new york times mm-hmm. she is like right up in the face of uh linda saying like how 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 are you questioning a 15 year old boy with no legal representation like Not you know this that. is wrong you left this boy without legal representation, without their parents in this room with these two men yeah. alone yeah. for hours. Like that's all. Co- There's so many things wrong with that, yeah. you know? And so as the two of them are leaving, they pass by a room where Corey is sleeping on a bench, waiting for his pal. Yusef has no idea what's going on or what's going to happen. And, then uh, the assistant district attorney uh, tells Linda Fairstein, like, you know, we can't prosecute these kids. Like, listen to the recordings. They are all giving a completely different story. They're mm-hmm. in different places. They're not even where she was raped. They're all saying, you know, this guy did this. This guy did this other thing. N- none of them line up. Right. And so they need, like, somebody to tie it all together. And so she's like, oh, we have someone. And she grabs Corey and has a detective bring him into a room where they beat the shit out of him. He has no idea what's going on. Yeah. No No idea whatsoever. Beat the shit out of him and tell him exactly what he needs to say. And then they sit down and record him saying what they just told him to. And, you know, he says, I saw these other boys raping this woman. And then, you know, he admits that he was a part of it. He's like, you know, this was my one, my only and my last rape. Yeah. And... Just, just as an aside, since we're talking about like a produced show, this mm-hmm. isn't a documentary with like actual footage. All the young boys were so good. Yeah, I mean, like they all were, especially like the youngest kid, Kevin, just yeah. like ripped your fucking heart out. They were so good at like being hesitant with their answers and their questioning, and like questioning what they were saying, but like still saying it in like a kind mm-hmm. of frightened way. Yeah, 
like in the back of their minds, they were holding out hope like that this was the way to go home. They, right. they were all like really right. getting that across. And so now we see the other four boys outside of Corey in a, in a holding cell together. And they all like start to talk and they realize like what's happening. Like, oh shit, I, I lied on you. Like I, I told yeah. him it was you. And the other kid's like, shit, I told him it was you. Sorry. And they realize they've all been implicating each other this whole time. And then they're brought out of the precincts and they're put into police cars as the episode ends. And that was the pilot too, when they see us. Yeah. Uh, my stomach hurt this whole, this whole episode. It was awful. <laughs> it, it was really awful. I mean, especially when they started like questioning the boys at the precinct. Yeah. Man, it was brutal. Uh, I can't imagine like my day changing the way, like the way their day changed. It's like, right, right. They were completely blindsided. None of them had done anything. And, and what they weren't even the people in the park who were beating up. Like there, there was someone there that was beating up a guy in the park. Right, right. They weren't doing that. They were yeah. just there hanging out with their friends. Like yeah. maybe they were causing a ruckus. Maybe they're like being loud. Like they're, yeah, I'm they're sure like they were. teenage kids. It's like yeah, what yeah. we all do. Like right. it just being like having fun. Yeah. I mean, uh, so obviously this is a show, a mm-hmm. dramatization. You know, they don't, they don't show these five kids doing anything wrong. Like they don't, they don't even look at the bikers. Who knows what the the truth was. Maybe they yelled at the bikers or like slapped the bike as it drove by. Mm-hmm. Dude, I did way worse shit than that when I was a kid and I never got in any trouble whatsoever. Right. I, you know, outdoing, I, I mean, don't let me overstate it. I wasn't a bad kid, but right. I did, I did shit way worse than that. And it was walking home like at one o'clock in the morning down the middle of main street of my very white town. Yeah. And I've been, you know, the cops have pulled me and my buddies over and never gave us a second thought when we said, oh, we're, we're just, you know, we're just walking home. Right. You know, that would have never happened. Yeah. Um, but the more serious issues, you know, the guy that was jumped, there was like us, one of the people that was jumped was a school teacher. There, I think there was actually more instances of violence that night than the show portrayed or or at least like directly showed. Mm -hmm. But Elizabeth and I watched the second episode of this already. And one of the people that were attacked, you know, testifies that it wasn't any of these kids. Right. Like one of their lawyers asked him like, is that person in the room? And he's like, no, it's not any of them. Right. So they didn't do anything very serious relative to what actually happened that night and what, what fucking happened to them. Yeah. Um, the thing that, that is crazy about this is that they sat in that room, um, Linda sat in that room and asked them to make a list of who else was there. Right. And then they just found, like, based off of, like, hearsay from, like, some other kid. Right. She has no idea. She doesn't know who was actually there. Now, yeah, these kids were in the park. But then just to make them all of a sudden suspects Yeah, um, in this case. I'm just like morbidly curious and, and it doesn't really matter, but like why those five kids? Cause those were the five that they were, they were able to manipulate most easily. Cause they had like 15 kids there and then they made a list of even more kids. Like what happened to those kids? 
I don't know. They just refused to admit anything and they eventually had to release them. I, I don't know the answer to it. I'm, yeah. I'm just kind of curious. It's just, it was heartbreaking to watch because like, I think they knew that they could manipulate those kids, that they were good kids and they were scared. Right, right. And like, especially Corey was like the perfect pawn for them in yeah. that situation because he was just like, he had no idea what was going on. He was asleep, in, you know, oh, like gosh. he was just being a good friend. And like, we find out later in the other episode, that like he's just like, he's even, even when he's doing his, um, when they're recording his statement, he is, he can't read. Right. They find out like he's been skipping school. Like this is a kid who just kind of like struggles. Like he's not going to like pick up on that stuff as quickly. He's not right, going to think right. as fast as those other boys. Yeah. Which didn't matter because the other boys, they were powerless. There was nothing they could do. Right. Right. From, you know, trying to separate ourselves from the, the current situation in the world, looking at this as a TV show. I mean, it was expertly fucking done. Yeah. I mean, all, all of the acting and it was really good. I mean, very rarely do you get that many, I don't know if there, how many of them were like kid actors. Like Kevin was clearly young. Some of the other ones like were maybe a little bit older. Yeah. Um, so I was looking up Kevin today, um, Asante black and I was just like starting to look them up and he hasn't actually been in that much. Like he's, he's only 18 Yeah. and he like did some stuff. I think he got an award like for his, um, high school. Or like there's like a like a high school level like acting thing and he like won that. Okay. But other than that, like the only like credits he really had is this and he's on This Is Us. Okay. Now. Yeah. yeah, I was just I was really impressed with all of them. I mean, you know, a lot of their parents were like well known actors. Right. That that were really good in this, but I wasn't surprised by them being really good. I just expected yeah. it. It was a great cast and but I was really impressed with those kids. Yeah. Um, Felicity Huffman really made you fucking hate her guts. Yeah, she, yeah. Um, <laughs> Niecy Nash, I thought was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, was she in the pilot or was it the second episode? No, she, she was, was briefly in the, in the pilot. She was briefly in the pilot. Yeah, yeah. Because I think they showed all their parents. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll certainly watch the next two episodes. There's only four episodes of this miniseries. Yeah, probably by the time this airs, we will have seen the entire thing. Maybe they're long episodes. <laughs> <laughs> the next one's over an hour, I think. Yeah, and I would, I mean, if you're looking for like media to consume to help you understand the black experience, I think this is a good, a good, good place to start. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's readily available on fucking Netflix. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I've seen it on a bunch of those lists along with 13th, which is a documentary that centers on race and the criminal justice system. And the director won the Peabody Award for that one. Jarrell Jerome won an Emmy, I think, for his performance in this show. Was he Corey? Corey, yeah. So I think that you did some research on like the actual story, and then I did too after the second episode. I, I was just curious, of course, like where where are they now? Which I actually kind of knew a little bit because I had done research on this maybe last year when this came out. Um, but I wanted to know like, Where's, where's Linda at? Oh, so I looked her up. Oh, yeah, me too. Oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> I, I did, yeah. So she actually was an author, too. Yes. Okay, so you read that. Yep. And then after like this documentary, after this uh, miniseries came out, 
her publishing company dropped her yep. because she's still like she, and she still says that they did it yep. and they did nothing wrong with their investigation and yep. like stands by it. And she says like, it was a brilliant investigation. The, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. One of her fucking quotes I read was like, you know, these detectives were so brilliant. Like they were told to go find a tall black kid that was at the park and they went out and they found him. Like, no, you fucking idiot. Like, yeah, they found any tall black kid, not right. the tall black kid. Oh, my gosh. She, yeah. She refuses to apologize. She was on the board of Vassar College and another nonprofit in that area. And she, I'm sure, forcefully resigned from both. Yeah. But yeah, still still refuses to admit that there was anything wrong. I looked up. Well, there's also like part of it is like, I think there's 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 something very problematic there's something wrong with her and the way that she went about all of this yeah part of it i i feel like she was like so desperate to get justice for this woman who was raped which right. is like a completely other like horrible oh yeah, issue. yeah. you know yeah. what i mean like she was probably up against this but like what a horrible person and horrible way to go about any of this right like yeah that yeah. woman did not deserve to be raped and left for dead like Absolutely not. But like, do your fucking job. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like she really believed it was them. I think she was fucking delusional. Yeah. She I mean, seemed like a crazy person. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and certainly fucking racist too. Yeah. But I think she was so delusional about this rape case that she really convinced herself that yeah. it was these five black boys. And later, the, so the, I, well, we all know that they were exonerated and because the guy came forward who actually did rape yeah her and she or he came only admitted after the statute of limitations was up because that's still a fucking thing <laughs> and so like oh he's like in jail for life anyway though oh he is oh yeah he was already in jail for like a murder two assaults something else oh so he was so he had nothing to lose yeah, to yeah. like okay i, I think well that's at least right. he's behind bars right. but like i just also think it's like such a why is that even still a thing? Yeah, but. yeah. Then I looked up the one detective with the mustache who was a real prick. Mm-hmm. He, he's dead now, but there was a story. I, I think he was only a police officer for a brief time after this. Oh, really? And then there was something about him drunk driving and crashing into a police horse. Really? Yeah. It's <laughs> some ridiculous story. Because oh he was like high on some like weird, I don't remember what it was. Yeah. Jeez. Anywho, Some real winners working this case. Yeah. Um, all five members of the Central Park Five said it was eerie how accurate this show was to, oh, really? to what they remember happening. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. That's great. Yeah, no, I can't wait to finish watching it. It's not an easy watch. It's, but it's, it's really not. It's really incredible. Um, definitely, definitely watch it. Yeah, I mean, the first episode, like I said, and it's so hard to put things into perspective because... I, you know, like we've already mentioned, we're very privileged white middle class people mm -hmm. who never have to deal with this. So the fact that I'm watching it and my stomach hurts and it's like hard for me to watch, Jesus Christ, like I don't have to live this. People have to fucking right. live this. Yeah. You know? I just read something that, like a, a quote said, like it is, it's a privilege to have to learn and educate yourself <laughs> right, about right. racism. Yeah. Like to not actually have to live it. If they hadn't gone to jail for this, like these boys were going to 
you know, probably going to encounter, have an encounter with the police at some point, like just given like the statistics and like sure, yeah. everything, like it just, so they would always like have a fear yeah, of encountering the police, but it just really fucking sucks. And I don't know any other way to put it that they at 14, 15 and 16 years old had to go to jail. Yeah. And their life hasn't even started. Yeah. They probably never even had sex before. Maybe. Maybe. I'm just saying, like, they were young. Like, it's just like... <laughs> but they, like, until they're adults or in jail, it's just... Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah, and they showed, like, you know, Kevin was really into playing the trumpet. He wanted to be a trumpet player. And, like, the cops used that to, like, fucking taunt him. Yeah. I mean, you know, some of the stuff might have been dramatized, but, like, who cares? Fuck those guys. Um, yeah, because we've seen it for real in, in right, right. Um, cops doing this with uh, making a murderer. Oh, my god. When gosh. they did that, with that basically, like, the same thing to Brendan Dassey because they needed yeah. to, like, make their case. And they just, like, manipulated and tortured a kid there, too. Like, Yeah, a kid that was clearly on the spectrum. Right. Because they wanted an admission. So, like, fuck those guys, too. But right, anyway, right. that's a different That's a different. <laughs> that's case. a whole different topic. But, like, yeah, fuck them all. So, I don't know how deep we want to go into, you know, what's going on in the real world, but I'm sure people that are listening to this are probably savvy enough that they've been on social media and mm-hmm. are, you know, looking up these resources for themselves. The best thing I've seen so far is an anti-racism syllabus, basically, and you can find it through Googling it. The easiest way is there's a link, a bit.ly link. B-I-T period L-Y backslash anti-racism resources, all one word. And it's a huge list of, you know, resources for parents, books, podcasts, different articles you can read, podcasts to subscribe to, videos to watch, um, different film and TV, organizations that you should be following and donating to, and then a whole list of just other kinds of resources. And included in that list is 75 things white people can do for race, racial justice, mm-hmm. which I've been linking around. You've probably yeah. seen it. And it's just like more like broad strokes things like seek out a diverse group of friends for your kids. I'm just picking these out because this has been on my mind the last yeah. couple of days. Yeah. Um, you know, call and write your legislators about X, Y, and Z, encourage your friends to do that. And there's just things that are, you know, a little bit more tangible, like, you know, watch, watch Roots, watch 12 Years a Slave, you know, read up on, on American history that isn't biased as, as best you can. Right. You know, educate yourselves on Black Lives Matter and what it means when people say that versus all lives matter or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, stop shopping at certain places like Amazon and Whole Foods. Um, so I, I don't know if you have any others. Those are the two that I've kind of been uh, passing around well, when people are looking for stuff. One, um, I've been following the Conscious Kid on Instagram. Um, and there have been a lot of resources, um, books for children to read um, and different ways, you know, conversation starters, how to talk to your kids about it. And we've started to introduce the topic to Billy you know our son is is three years old um and so we he doesn't know who George Floyd is right he doesn't know that he was brutally murdered by a police officer but like he knows what the word racism means and so like that you know we are introducing it you know slowly 
as, as slowly as we can for him. But it's important that we start talking about this more and more because we need to be actively anti-racist right. and not just know in our hearts that we aren't racist right? and call people on their shit and like, yeah, I mean, that that's a fucking hard thing to do. It is you hard. Know? I have, you know, I've been in that boat that you were just describing for a long time. And, you know, why, why stir the pot with people? It's not going to, it's not going to change anything. Yeah. And we just have to get past it. Yeah. And, and that thing like, well, everyone's got a racist uncle. Yeah. We'll fucking call him on a shit the next time he says something that's racist. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. There was, I remember we were at a, a family thing and one of your sisters did call my racist uncle out or something. Uncle out. <laughs> and the thing is, is that no one really, no one else did. And like, didn't want to like stir because no one wants to stir the pot with him. So it's just like on anything. So it's like, let it, you know, everyone just kind of like whatever. And I, but I, I pulled her outside later and I said, you were right. He, what he said was racist and you should keep telling him that. Like, yeah. yeah. I probably just zoned him out because I don't even listen to. Well, that's. I mean, I think that's part of the problem. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it was a side conversation. But yeah. I, I, I caught it. And so you know, it's. I have a similar feeling, and, and I mean, they're not not completely untied. You know, having political conversations with people, mm-hmm. even even when you attempt to have a reasonable, level-headed conversation, sometimes it leads nowhere or it drags things down even deeper and you know you might have conversations like that if you start to bring this up but you might have conversations where people are willing to talk Mm -hmm. i had i've had multiple conversations over the last couple days with a police officer Mm -hmm. so to get a different perspective from someone you know there's certainly certainly still a wide gap in our ideologies mm-hmm. but we were able to find a little bit of middle ground i think he understood a little bit of what the black lives matter movement was trying to say where he didn't before he wasn't exposed to like real explanations before right you know um and i got to see a perspective of a police officer who has never had anything filed against him right you know um you know i i think there's still some problematic things there but um, you know, these conversations just need to keep happening and yeah. ho- hopefully they'll, hopefully they'll get easier. I started listening to a book. So you want to talk about race by Ajoma Alua. Uh, it's on my Hoopla app. If anyone is interested, I download, there's a, an app called Hoopla, H O O P L A. And it's actually through my library. So the books on there change periodically, but you can, you know, borrow books for like you know, 21 days. Mm. Um, and so they have different, you know, they have eBooks, but they also have, um, audio books. So I started listening to that one, um, today. Cause I had seen that on a lot of lists and uh, already it's interesting. Cause it's like, I don't talk about it. And one of the things she says in the very beginning is like, you, all the questions she gets is like, people are afraid to talk about it because they don't want to mess it up. They don't want to say something wrong and they're afraid of saying something wrong. Yeah. So then they don't talk about it. And like you, you never get to the actual discussion because you're not seeing eye to eye. And it is like everything in this country is 
has to do with race. It's just like far back as our history, as much as like school wants to teach us that racism was in the Martin Luther King days and that's it, slavery, and then it ended with him. That's not, that's not actually true. Right. It's still happening. I think I thought like, well, we're, we're moving away from it. There's a lot, all, all those old people are, <laughs> no, yeah. but it's just, that's just not true. Yeah. It's, yeah. So anyway. So, yeah, I mean, I, we don't need to talk about season two. We don't need to talk about if we recommend it. I think we both do. Yeah. When they see us on Netflix. One other thing I wanted to just mention is if you're, so I started listening to Code Switch this week, but on uh, an NPR podcast, but a few months ago, I went back, I was looking through my podcasts um, just on Stitcher, and I was like, oh, all of my podcasts are white. <laughs> all like white hosts. Like, and I was like, that's, I'm literally like, I was just like, I'm only listening to white voices. Yeah. That's it. And there are white liberal voices, but like, <laughs> you know, like it, it's not, it doesn't seem like enough. So anyway, I went through and, um, I think there were some, it, I think it was February. So it was black history month. So I think they were promoting black, uh. voice, like black, um, podcasts, hosted podcasts. Anyway, one I fell in love with is called the secret lives of black women. Um, and it's a style that I like. It's like two, two black women friends who are talking. They talk about self-care and jobs and relationships. Do they live in L.A.? All this. Sh- um, no, one of them does. <laughs> oh, of course. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> the other thing about my podcast is everyone lives in L.A. I mean, that's most podcasts. That's most podcasts. <laughs> uh, but they always have really um, great guests on there. Um, and they're talking about, you know, topics that I like, that's the style podcast. Like I like hearing two friends talk about stuff. Right. Right. Um, but their experiences are sort of different from mine. And I just think that that's an important thing to listen to because like we said, we don't have a very diverse area here. And, yeah. um, so I recommend that podcast. It's yeah. not specifically about race right but right. it uh, but it is i mean there's like that's a lot of like with their guests everything come is about that about being a black woman in in this society yeah so i recommend that podcast yeah i've been starting to follow some uh like black wildlife biologists and birders mm-hmm. of course there was this issue with christian cooper in central park right um like the day before george floyd i think it was the day before is that, does that it was it was the same week I don't remember was, yeah oh it was within like 36 hours yeah and so you you hear this happen with with Christian Cooper and you're like oh man that could have ended really badly and then the fucking worst case scenario pops up a day later but he was on a, a webinar that I watched today uh, hosted by National Audubon Society there's this whole um, black birders week thing happening right now which mm-hmm. has been great so many like insightful stories from you know black people in the environmental field and you know I, I'm, I'm only saying this because like i have these experiences as an outdoor enthusiast and a birder right and no matter what you do there's always another lens to put over it if you are a black person right you know another set of issues you have to deal with right you know if, if i'm if i'm out somewhere by myself like people aren't like crossing the trail 
you know, cops aren't pulling up next to me if I'm birding in an urban setting and like Mm -hmm. watching me for a while. These were stories that I heard today. Yeah. Um, You know, like grad students doing their field work in urban ecology and they have people calling the cops on them and you know, people are filming them or like following them around to make sure they're not doing anything wrong and they're doing fucking scientific research. Right. So yeah, it's just a whole, whole other set of shit yeah. you have to deal with. Um, so yeah, regardless of what you're interested in, I'm sure there are, you know, some type of media for you to consume to learn more about mm-hmm. the black experience in those, in those uh, walks of life. Um, and I will link to the resource page that I mentioned before on our social media for the next week. So if you go, you know, if you're seeing this on Instagram or wherever, just go, go to our profile page and I'll have that link up if you're interested in those resources. Um, also, the time of this recording, none of the officers in the death of Brianna Taylor have been arrested yet. Mm. Um, so hope by the time this airs on uh, Tuesday that they have been but that's just where we are right now four days four days to go all right everybody (laughs) on that note (laughs) um if you have suggestions on shows for us to watch you can email us at trialbypilot at gmail.com you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter at trialbypilot and go on to stitcher spotify apple podcasts wherever you're listening to this subscribe to the show leave a review and tell a friend and thank you to the beats for providing our theme music thank you beats and black lives matter Bye. Bye.